to a nation. So let's look at our text, Ezekiel 47, starting at verses 1 through 5, then we'll jump jump down a little bit, just stick with me. It says, And then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the front of the temple faced the east. And the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man, uh, and when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters. And the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. And again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And skipping down to verse 8, says, Then he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a great multitude of fish, because these waters go there. And for, they are, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from En Gedi down to En Gilam. They, they will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. In verse 12, along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month, because their, because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for medicine. This morning I want to preach a sermon entitled, The Waters of Life. Let's pray. Father God, help us this morning, God, that your spirit, Lord, would uh, bring life to us, God, that you would minister and speak to each of us on a personal and individual level, God, that we would hear from you directly, God, not by my words, God, but by your spirit alone, we come before you in Jesus' name, amen. So first, uh, I want to speak about the place of the water. Our text speaks about miracle, life-giving water that has the power to change things where it goes. The water flows from the temple, as it sees in verse, as we see in verse one. It says the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, and the temple, as we know in the Bible, is a meeting place with God. Exodus twenty-five twenty-two tells us. That God says, there being the temple, I will meet with you and speak with you. God's plan has always been to have a place where he can meet with people, where people can meet with him. 
God, of course, as we know, is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere, but he meets with people in certain ways, in certain places, by design. You see, throughout the Bible, he calls people to build altars. The altar is a place where God shows himself to his people, and people can meet with God. The place of revelation, a place of personal messages from God. This is why we open the altars for prayer at the end of our services, so you can come and get individual communication with God amongst the people of God where people can get revelation about God, about themselves, about the direction for their future. You see in Genesis 35, 1, God said to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God. This isn't that God cannot speak to us or speak to Jacob aside from an altar, but rather that God says, I need to see your intention coming to a place where you desire to hear from me. Then there's the tabernacle. A movable tent is what a tabernacle basically means. And you read uh, uh, the Bible Uh, from the exodus of Israel uh, through the kingdom of, uh, sorry, the kingship of Solomon, is that God dwelled in tents, a movable tent. God commanded them as they wandered through uh, the desert, finding, uh, wandering to the promised land, that God commanded them to build a tent. Exodus 25, 8, he says, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Again, a place where God chooses to reveal himself to people. Why? Because yes, God is everywhere. But if people want to hear from God, they have to show intent to hear from God. He wants them to come to the tabernacle. He wants them to come and dwell in his presence. And then later on, as I referenced a minute ago, there was a temple, a permanent structure where God, uh, uh, where people built the temple to meet with God. King Solomon built the first temple, and this was basically served the same function as the tabernacle, but it was a permanent location. And now in the New Testament, we see the place where God meets with his people more than anywhere is right here, the church, the New Testament temple, if you will. And Jesus reveals God's plan, the plan of the church, through his life and ministry, through what he told, uh, told his disciples, a gathering of, of people to hear a message from the king. You don't come here to hear a message from the pastor. The pastor is simply relaying the words of the king. If I ever relay my own words to you, then I am failing you. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus tells Peter, and he thereby tells the other disciples and the rest of the Christian church that he says, on this rock, I will build my church. This rock is the confession of Christ. This rock is the foundation of what we believe in. It is Christ, and he will build his church. And then he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. You see, at church, many things will happen. But why are we here? We are creating a place where people can meet with God. People can come and they can be saved 
from their sins, just as many of us have been. People can come and they can be delivered from their habits, just as many of us have been. People can come and they can be delivered from evil spirits, just as many of us have been. People can come and be healed of injuries and sickness. People can come and find direction for their life, just as many of us have done. They can come and find comfort that you can't find in the world. They can come and find a purpose that they never knew was there. This is why we have church. This is why Jesus commanded us to have church. It's because it is a place where we come and we meet with God. Acts 13.2 says they ministered to the Lord, speaking of the early church, and fasted And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. This is the gathering of God's people where they minister and fast and they contend and they believe. And God speaks and he gives direction and purpose to lives. There are supernatural things that God only does through the church. Revelations 1, 12 through 13 it says, I saw seven golden lampstands. And if you read the surrounding text, you know that those seven golden lampstands resemble seven churches that God is speaking to. And then verse 13 says, And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Where is Jesus? He is in the midst of the church. And then, of course, the lampstands represent the churches. And what do you need in a lampstand for it to operate properly? Oil. Oil, throughout the Bible, is symbolism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in the midst of us, and we should be powered, fueled, if you will, by the Holy Spirit. There is supernatural power at work in the church. Verse 1 from our text says the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple. Water also throughout the Bible is symbolism of the power of the Holy Spirit. That we come to the temple, that his water will flow out these doors with us wherever we go. John 7.38, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, from their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Think about this. That through our belief in Christ, that rivers of living water can come from you and I. There's a story of, of a man named Stephen Westby. And he was a heart surgeon, and he wanted to help people that were too sick to get heart transplants, which means they they need a new heart, but they're too sick to get a new heart. So he wants to help them get healthy so they can get their new heart. And while at a medical convention, a man introduced him to another man named Robert Jarvik, who, uh, who invented an external heart pump. And the surgeon who was in charge of testing these pumps in the United States out of those introductions, so that the other man was nameless. And out of those introductions, Westby was able to bring those pumps to help patients in England. And the moral of the story is that he met with the people who had the power to help his purpose in life. And this is what church is. 
you come into contact with the Almighty God who can help you in life. And then once God has helped us, as he has helped many of us, we are to spread that water. You see, human nature is to keep good things to ourselves. So our human nature is to keep the supernatural blessing of God to ourselves. You read throughout the Bible, you see God rains down manna from heaven. And the people, they wanted to hoard it. They wanted to keep it to themselves. And God said, no, 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 no. When the sun goes down, it's all going to rot. You must take only what is enough for the day. But our human nature wanted to hoard it, to keep it for ourselves. You also see Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus takes him up to the top of this mountain and he's transfigured into a supernatural image and you see uh, Moses and Elijah by his side and Peter's like, holy shnikes, this is amazing. And so what does he say? Let's build some tents up here so we can stay here forever. This is incredible. He wanted to stay there rather than take this experience with him into the world. You see, Jerusalem, even the New Testament church, as powerful as they were, the saints of the new church, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were ministering the gospel with power. But what does the book of Acts tell us? That persecution caused the church to scatter. Why? Because God wanted the church to scatter. He said, this gospel, this new life that I have for the world, it can't just stay in Jerusalem. I told you to take it to the ends of the earth. And so God used the persecution of the church to scatter the gospel across the world. But God gives the pattern of spiritual health in our text is that the water needs to spread to go further. Like, in, in our mind, that doesn't make sense, right? You take a cup of water, and you're like, okay, that's deep. You pour it on the ground, and it spreads out nice and thin. You can't drink it. It's not good for anything. But the water needs to spread to go further. At the end of the day, the cup in this bottle isn't going anywhere unless I pour it out. Verse 1 from our text says, The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, there was water running out on the right side. So how do we give out of this water of life? This water of life that is within you and I. The New Testament says that we are temples for the Holy Spirit. Firstly, we give it out through evangelism. That we want to pass on the miracle of life that is inside of us through the gospel. That we want to see other people receive it. Jesus was clear in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to Judea and to Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. God has called us to evangelize. That this water, this living water that is put within us, if we want it to remain in us, we have to pour it out of us into the lives of others. We give this living water through ministry. Ministering to the lives of others, those who are saved and not saved alike. You see in Luke chapter 8 verse 46, as this woman with the blood flow issues, she just wants to touch 
the hem of Jesus' garment because she knows that she will be healed. And she, she crawls through the crowd of people and she touches the hem of his garment and she's healed immediately. And verse 46 from Luke chapter 8, Jesus says, I perceived that power has gone out of me. This is an image of ministry. That the power that is within us, that God has given us as ministers of the gospel. Listen to me. I am not the only minister of the gospel in this church. You all are. Once you begin saved, you became ministers of the gospel. And Jesus says this is an image of the power that is within us being poured into the lives of others. That is what ministry is. That the power that God's spirit has put in our hearts in our lives, in our souls, can be poured out into others' lives. You see, it is the healthiest Christians are those who are witnesses and are involved in ministering to others. Why? Because God designed it that way. Ernest Boyd began donating blood in the 1990s. But donating blood has actually saved his life several times. Once while donating blood, his heart stopped. But because he was in the clinic, they were able to revive him. And they discovered a heart condition that he didn't know that he had. And so because of the heart problem, they ran a a wide range of tests on his body and found that he had lung cancer. And after completing the treatment for lung cancer, they told him that he had to stop donating because the heart issue still remained. But yet, because he wanted to continue donating so badly, he had more tests run and found that his heart issue was because he had low levels of calcium, which was causing uh, further issues with his heart. And so after many years of donating... He said, I am both alive and much healthier than I would have been had I not been intent upon remaining a frequent platelet donor. Think about this image for you and I. That we are healthier the more we want to give what is within us to help other people. That as we minister to people, we take seriously the words of Paul when he says, As you witness to people, you must keep account of yourself so that you do not disqualify yourself. That we can hold ourselves to a higher standard. That as we see the living waters of God fill the hearts of other people, that it will give life to ourselves. See, human nature typically wants to stay at our current level once we get to a comfortable one. We get comfortable with what we know, and we want to stay there. We get to a place where we're like, okay, I can, I can work with this. I can coast here. There's no danger of being embarrassed. I, I, I've plateaued. If I, if I try to go to the next level, what if I fail? What if I fall on my face? What if I look dumb? There's no danger of cost. I've gotten to a place of sustainability There's no cost relationally. There's no cost financially. I can maintain this. We don't have to change our plans. We don't have to rearrange things. We can coast. It's because in shallow waters, 
are where we are in control. You go into a pool or even the ocean, and, and after you go a certain depth, as time goes on, you begin to feel more and more uncomfortable with the water that you're in. It's because in shallow waters, we want to maintain a sense of control over our lives. This is what Peter dealt with. Matthew 16, 22, it says, Peter began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Jesus had just said that he's going to be crucified and killed. And Peter says, No, that takes me out of my comfort zone. Therefore, it cannot be of God. And Peter goes as far as rebuking Jesus himself. It seems crazy, but how often do we do this with our lives? That Jesus says, here is the next step. And it's so uncomfortable for us that we go, clearly that cannot be from Jesus himself because I don't like how I feel. I don't like the challenge that it's going to bring me to. I don't like what it's going to cost me. I don't like the way it makes me feel. So Jesus, get behind me, devil. It seems crazy. We can read a text like that and go, dang, Peter, you really, you really tripped right there. But how often do we do that with different words, with different thoughts, with different mindsets, with different actions, with our own lives? Because Peter wanted control over his relationship with God. So Jesus, you can't die because if you die, you won't be here with me. <laughs> I can understand his concerns. We can kind of relate, right? Like, well, if Jesus wasn't here, where would we be? And that has to be the thought that he's thinking because he doesn't fully understand what's going to take place. But our text shows us that we need to go deeper in the water. Verses 3 through 6 tells us he measured 1,000 cubits and the water came up to his ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 cubits and the water came up to his knees. Again, he measured 1,000 cubits and the water came up to his waist. Again, 1,000 cubits and the river was so deep that he could not cross without swimming. Wherever you're at right now, Whatever level, whatever depth, whether it's up to your ankles, knees, or hips, we have to go deeper. We cannot stop. Because God always answers us in the deeps and never in the shallows. Because we have control in shallow waters. If God gives us in shallow waters, answers in shallow waters, then we begin to think that we figured it out. But if we're out there doggy paddling, trying to keep our head above water, and we see the hand of God come and lift us up, then we begin to realize that there's no way I survived out here without the help of God. Colossians 4.17, Paul writes and say to Aricopus, I don't know if I said that right, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. That we can go into the depths of the ministry that God has called to us because we cannot fulfill it unless we do. But this water, this isn't just a cup of water. This isn't a, a, a natural river. This isn't the Columbia River. We're talking supernatural. Our text shows the results of the water and the results of the water is life. Wherever there is the supernatural power of God. Things change. 
How many know that that's true? Wherever the supernatural power of God is at, you can count on things to change. Verse 8 from our text tells us when the water reached the sea, its waters were healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. So we can look at the impact of this life-giving water. Verse 8 tells us that the water brings healing. It says when, the, when it reached the sea, its waters were healed. That we know that our God, through the waters of the Holy Spirit, out of our lives into the lives of others, can bring supernatural healing. Many different kinds of healing. See, physical healing, Mark 16, 8, Jesus tells us, Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That these supernatural waters from the Holy Spirit can bring emotional healing can bring healing of relationships and marriages. That when God's supernatural healing of His living water gets involved, we know that things change. This water brings life. Verse 9 says, And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. This is speaking about God's miracle work of reviving our lives, our cold and dead hearts. Isaiah 35, 6 says, For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is Speaking of water coming forth out of places it does not belong. This is speaking of giving life to the dead. And I don't mean physical dead. I'm not talking about zombies. I'm talking about spiritually dead. Just as we all once were the life of Christ in us. Ezekiel 37.5 says, This is what the Lord says to the bones at the valley of dry bones. I will cause breath to enter you so that you will come to life. That God can take what the world says, that's dead. Not only is it dead, it's dry bones. They're falling apart. They're in a pile. There's nothing we can do. And God says otherwise. And God says, what the world has written off about you, I can revive. A miracle that only God can do. People who have been cold and dead and disobedient for years can have life again. The third thing the water shows us is that it brings fruitfulness. Verse 12 from our text says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river, their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. 
Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This is supernatural. Anybody got a fruit tree in their backyard that bears fruit every month of the year? No. It doesn't, at least I don't think so. You, you, I thought you shook your head yes. No, okay. I'm not aware of any, but I'm, I'm, no, I'm no green thumb. <laughs> that wherever the water flows, you will see fruit bared in every month of the season because the water flows from the sanctuary, from the Spirit of God. That in our lives, as the Holy Spirit moves within us, if He is moving within us, we will see fruitfulness in our life. God is able to give miracle fruit in all seasons as results of the labors that he's called us to. John 15, 6, Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Think about this. Jesus calls us and appoints us, but yet he tells us you have a part to play. You must go. If you do not go, you will not bear fruit. If this water does not flow out from us, it cannot bring forth fruit. The water brings forth productivity. Verse 10 says fishermen will stand by it and they will be places for spreading their nets. This speaks of God putting people to work. Their usefulness when the water is at work in their lives. Without these rivers, there is no fish. Without these rivers, there is no work for the fishermen. When people are touched by God, revived by His Spirit, truly, they get involved. They desire to work. They desire to do God's will. Think about Gideon and his army. I just preached a, a series on this recently. You should be familiar with it. And the issue was that those who were not totally committed to the fight, they were not used. But those who were totally committed, they were used to help win victory over the enemy. There is a miracle dimension that comes to us in the depths of the water. Psalm 107, verses 23 and 24 says, Others went out to sea in ships and did, not, and did business on the great oceans. They saw that the Lord could do the miracles He did in the deep oceans. Think about this. This speaks of people who chose to do the Lord's business in the oceans. Because they saw what the Lord did in the depths of the waters. This is symbolic, of course. This tells us that anyone who chooses to go deeper will experience God's supernatural power. We must choose to go deeper if we want to experience God's supernatural power. The deeper we go, the more we grow, and the more we see God move. 
I close with this illustration. The bluefin tuna, tuna, <laughs> the bluefin tuna is the rarest tuna fish out of all of them. I'm sure you all knew that. They can dive to depths of up to 3,000 feet deep. But those caught from the seas around Japan are auctioned directly off of the docks to the local markets and the high-end sushi restaurants. And in 2019, a 612-pound tuna sold right off of the dock for $3 million. That is the equivalent to about $4,900 per pound. That's a haul. It better taste good. But this illustrates to us the value, the value of what we can find in the deepest of waters. That we go out, and we don't just go out for hobby. We don't just go out to look good, but we go out because we know that what God has for us, the experience that He has for us, the supernatural movements of God that He has for us are when we are simply put in over our head. That when we choose to go deeper, we will experience the supernatural power of God in our lives. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.